Star Wars 7x7 episode 413. Today we explore a little more of that whole idea about the ring theory and whether it actually pertains to The Force Awakens in any way. Punch it, Chewie. No traps, no moisture, no committees. Just rebel-rousing fun for everyday Jedis. It's the Star Wars 7x7 podcast with your host, Alan Voivod. Destiny Unleashed. Hey, Rebel Rouser. Welcome to Star Wars 7x7. I'm your host, Alan Voivod, and we are picking up on the conversation that we started yesterday about the ring theory and whether it pertains to The Force Awakens. The ring theory uh, is espoused by Mike Klimo, the idea that there is this incredible interlinking that happens between uh, all the movies in the first two trilogies of George Lucas's Star Wars saga. And... You know, it got me thinking, like, are there any sort of ring theory-like things happening in The Force Awakens? And you know what? As I got to thinking more about it after yesterday's episode, it occurred to me that George Lucas has gone on record to say that the movies that J.J. Abrams and Larry Kasdan are making are, quote-unquote, not the movies that he set out to make. They were not his movies. So, uh, you know, that maybe puts a little bit in doubt the sort of stuff that I'm going to be talking to you about today. But I'm going to ask that you at least bear with me. <laughs> I'll only do this for this uh, other episode unless something else really jumps out at me and it's worth mentioning in a future episode. But I'm thinking since we've seen a lot of stuff from Jakku that there seem to be some similarities that are worth mentioning that have happened between the sequences on that planet and sequences that we've seen in The Phantom Menace and in A New Hope. For example, we have a hero arriving on the planet, escaping, as it appears, from the Imperials, and that would be John Boyega getting away in the uh, um, crash TIE fighter. Um, this, of course, parallels what happens with C-3PO and R2-D2 in A New Hope, them escaping from the Imperials. You also have a hero arriving on a planet and being guided around or needing to be guided around by an experienced local, and that would correspond to what happens in The Phantom Menace, with Qui-Gon and Padme and Jar Jar arriving on Tatooine and having to be guided around by Anakin Skywalker, a knowledgeable local. There's a bustling outdoor marketplace that we just saw a photo of Ray and Finn racing through, and that's similar to a bustling outdoor marketplace that we have in The Phantom Menace. And speaking of the two of them, we have an experienced native helping out somebody who is comparatively naive on the scene, avoid danger, and stay away from the Imperials, the same way that Obi-Wan helped Luke navigate the whole Moss Eisley space and also get away from the Imperials in A New Hope. Speaking of Rey, like her character has been identified as a scavenger and kind of in a similar fashion, I guess you could say, Anakin Skywalker scavenges parts to build his pod racer. I don't know what Daisy is necessarily building, but that kind of has a tie to the Phantom Menace. We also see the Millennium Falcon flying around on Jakku. And we've seen them escaping from the Imperials the same way they escaped from the Imperials in A New Hope. And we know that Rey and Finn are on the Millennium Falcon at some point, the same way that Luke and Obi-Wan are. We know that BB-8's also on the Millennium Falcon at some point, the way 3PO and R2-D2 were. We also know that Han is with them on there. I believe Chewie is too. I mean, it doesn't seem like they ought to be separated. And, I mean, the only time we've seen Han and Chewie and Rey and Finn and BB-8 together is on the cover 
of that photo shoot for uh, Vanity Fair magazine, so that we can't necessarily say for certain, but Chewie and Han are on the Falcon at some point uh, together, and there's every reason to believe that they would all four or five, I guess, counting BB-8, be together on the Millennium Falcon as well. And even though we've only seen Rey and Finn in scenes on Jakku or in the cockpit of the Falcon, we know just because we can make this, I think, very safe assumption that they're not going to stay on Jakku. I mean, this is a Star Wars movie. They've got to get out and about into the rest of the galaxy. And so does it stand to reason the possibility that they leave Jakku on the Millennium Falcon the same way that Luke and Obi-Wan left Tatooine in A New Hope on the Millennium Falcon? I think it's a pretty safe assumption. Oh, oh, and this one just occurred to me too. So think about Luke's land speeder. You know, it's very flat and comparatively thin, and that's what he's using to ride around in the desert. And think about what Ray is riding in The Force Awakens. It's basically like his land speeder turned sideways. And yeah, it almost kind of looks like something that could be um, pod racer material from Phantom Menace. And so, look, I'm sure that's not all of them. And if there are other parallels that you've seen, then please do chime in with them in the comments for the blog post for this show's episode at SW7X7.com. But this sort of raises an interesting point. It can't be about doing things that are similar to the old movies simply as a fan service thing or trying to, you know, make the movie cooler just because it is evoking the previous movies. I don't think that was what Lucas was ever after anyway when he did what it looks like he did. This really has to be about telling a great story and not trading on our familiarity and our passion for the original trilogy, but instead putting in echoes of things that are so subtle that unless you were looking for them, you wouldn't even know they were there. Hey, Rebel Rousers. Is your entire life on your computer? All your documents, all your music, your photos, your videos? What would it be like for them to all be wiped out in an instant because of a failure, an accident, a theft? Luckily for all of us, that never has to happen. CrashPlan is continuous backup capability that starts at just $4 a month. To keep your files safe and to access them from anywhere, anytime via CrashPlan's mobile app, go to sw7x7.com crash. All right, wrapping it up with trivia time for you. Oh, I see it. Oh, this is going to be easy. Last time we asked you what type of droids are equipped with circular saw blades, and the answer is R2 units, and we will accept astromech units if that's the one you went with. Today's question, to what did Han Solo think attacking the first Death Star was equivalent? Thanks for listening to another episode of Star Wars 7x7, and hey, before you take a blind shot at a Sarlacc tentacle, check out SW7x7.com for show notes, links, photos, videos, and more. And if you want to join the inner circle of fans, become a patron of the show at patreon.com SW7x7. It's not a little higher, it's Destiny Unleashed. This podcast is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, and all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars-related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited or their respective trademark and copyright holders. May the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2015 by Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it!